Hello and welcome to the Rogue Ministry Podcast. This is Justin Barringer, the Rogue Minister, and I'm here with my co-host. This is Rachel, the creator of Speech Strong Resources. And together we are co-founders of Diapers Etc. And of course, host of the Rogue Ministry Podcast, creating and sustaining faithful ministries. Well, welcome to the Rogue Ministry Podcast. Tonight we have newlyweds on the show. Yeah, yeah we have uh, Ryan and Christina. Uh, let me make sure I get in. The, it's Roth Clink. Uh-huh. Yeah, we both got the hyphenation in the right order. Yeah, we both yeah. changed our last name together. So okay, <laughs> we so smashed got... our names together into yeah. one. <laughs> or we could have been Roink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could have been Roink, I guess. So. Yeah, there you could have done something like that. So welcome to the show, y'all. We're we're glad to have you. Um, and congratulations on on uh, being married. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is, especially uh, during COVID. During a pandemic, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Spending 24 hours a day together uh, yeah. in your first year of marriage is a, yeah. a fun yeah. time. You can't escape yeah. to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to start out today and just ask you a little bit about uh, your ministry, your neighbor, neighboring ministry, and, and kind of what it looks like and then how it's changed as well since we're, we're in this time. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, do you want to share first? Because Ryan worked for Neighboring Movement in Wichita. Um, yeah. If you want to talk about that first. Yeah. So um, part of uh, my career in terms of work the past years has been working for a nonprofit called Neighboring Movement, um, which is a nonprofit that uh, really uh, works to uh, uh, teach about the power of neighboring in local communities. Um, And I think, uh, I I feel like I've been neighboring for a long time, and there's lots of different ways to neighbor, but um, neighboring movement's approach to neighboring is a little bit different than how a lot of, I would say, churches uh, tend to approach it. Uh, Churches tend to approach uh, their neighborhood from a more needs-based model, where they kind of ask this question, what are the problems in our community? Uh, What does our community need, and how do we solve those problems? Um, Neighboring movements approaches uh, an asset-based approach. Um, And by uh, asset-based, I also like a gifts language. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a gifts-based approach, and really neighboring movement is Um, training churches, but also neighborhoods to really ask questions instead of starting with, you know, what are the problems and needs of a community? Uh, What are the gifts of our community? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What what can can we discover of our community that is good? Um, It it starts at a different place because uh, uh, there's research out there that essentially says if uh, we're going to shift our neighborhoods towards uh, especially our neighborhoods that are uh, have real problems, uh, you you have to start with actually what's good in the neighborhood and what you actually have. And so that's what an asset-based approach is, is you start with what do we actually have instead of um, what are the problems, basically, is the simplest kind of way of explaining it. And so uh, I've been, for the past uh, two years, uh, doing that type of work, and before that, uh, lived in an intentional Christian community where I was journeying with homeless friends and uh, really discovered asset-based, an asset-based approach during that time. 
uh, that sounded like acid. Uh, I, I'm sure some people, but uh, it's asset. I should I should pronounce make, it more. Make ministry interesting as well. I would think. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that's been my uh, a lot of my work this uh, the past uh, several years is journeying with homeless friends and helping them understand what their assets are, um, and now uh, helping uh, churches understand that uh, their neighborhoods, their assets in their neighborhood, churches don't mm -hmm. have to do everything on their own. Um, they can partner with folks. Uh, yeah. It's about uh, a lot of our work is helping churches understand that. Uh, uh, it's about connections rather than doing things for people. Um, we. We, uh, we can transform a community together rather than trying to do it all by ourselves. So, um, would, you, would you care to give, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but would you care to give like an example of, of uh, an asset a community would already have that you would go in and work with? So I like, um, I was doing the Good Neighbor Experiment with the Owenwood campus, the missional campus of White Rock United Methodist Church. Um, Which is a uh, training that the neighboring movement does with churches. On how, on how to train churches, how to do asset-based community development, how to lead in ministry from gifts rather than scarcity um, and abund you know, abundance. And so I was doing, uh, leading uh, a group of laity from Owenwood through the Good Neighbor Experiment as part of my internship. And we got to lab three, um, you know, right before the pandemic hit. And we were in the process of building our asset map. So there are six assets in asset-based community development. And we had explored physical assets such as parks and lakes and vacant lots and local businesses, um, institutions and associations. So we think of, you know, you have, you know, churches, there's a library around Owenwood, around the corner, um, you know, the fire department, uh, and there's um, uh, like associations like the Masonic Lodge sort of thing. And so that's where we were before the pandemic hit. And so I, uh, you know, explored a lot of some of these businesses in the Owenwood area. Um, just part of it was driving around with Ryan to see what is there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we found that there was a, a pupusa place. Down oh, the street. yeah, our favorite pupusa place, oh, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. We have made pupusas for dinner tonight. Yeah. Too. Oh, nice. Nice. So, you know, the Papusa place, there's the, I think it's Fruity Moss, um, mm -hmm. you know, and we've already, you know, for pub theology, we started, you know, we were going to Whistling Pig, the bar around mm -hmm. the corner on Ferguson, and um, which obviously was, we've changed because of the pandemic, so pub theology has been done online. Um, but as I notice these local businesses such as that and Coco Loco around the corner too. There's also an African braid place across on um, mm -hmm. Buckner. Mm -hmm. And so as part of one of the ministries at Elmwood campus is uh, a dinner church, simple church model. So there is a dinner church twice a month where uh, we have a simple vegan soup and some side dishes. Um, and so an idea of that I had, and you know, and my internship is now ended, but hopefully I planted these seeds was 
let's get our side dishes from, um, you know, some of these local businesses in the community. There's, you know, a donut shop that I've explored. Mm -hmm. I've gone to Free Tea Moss a couple of times and, you know, mm -hmm. met the owners. Uh, it's a, you know, local family business. And so, you know, let's get tacos from Coco Loco. Let's get pupusas. Let's get some fruit from Anna. And so how can, you know, instead of, you know, going to the grocery store in like Trader Joe's, which is not in the neighborhood. Yeah. So like, <laughs> let's go to the neighborhood to find these, you know, side dishes sort of thing. So that might be a way of partnering with the community that's already, you know, does those things um, and, and supporting your local economy. And I think that, and, and I think Christina kind of hit on all the assets through describing them, but kind of laying them There's out. There's two more. Uh, laying them out and it basically asset-based community development says that there's six main assets that you will find in any neighborhood, no matter what it is. Um, individuals, you will find individual people who have gifts. Um, you'll have association, which are groups of gifted, event, uh, groups of gifted individuals who are choosing to come together no one's paying them to do it. It's like that, like she said, the Masonic Lodge group, the, uh, some friends playing poker in the neighborhood. Um, it is, uh, the, the bicycle the knitting group, club. the knitting club, the bicycle yeah. group. It's just, you know, people are passionate about it. And so they're choosing to come together for it. Um, the, the third one is the institutions, which Christina talked a little bit about, which is, um, basically people are paid to make this thing happen. Um, so churches, churches, nonprofits, uh, government, institutional kind of structural kind of things. Uh, fourth, which uh, Christina hit a lot on again, is um, local businesses. Um, uh, that one I think is pretty self-explanatory. It's the local people who have a, a stake in the actual neighborhood that they're in. Um, the fifth is uh, the story and culture of a neighborhood. And the last one um, is the physical assets, knowing and so kind of knowing these things in your neighborhood. You know, these things exist no matter um, which neighborhood you're in. It's just a matter of simply discovering them. And uh, that's, that's what Christina's work, I think, has really been this past nine months as she's done her internship with Owen Wood and White Rock UMC is she discovered these things. You know, she went around and drove around in the neighborhood. And um, so often churches and uh, people who are in communities say there's nothing good in this community, yeah. but there is clearly so much good, even just in you know the Owenwood neighborhood, yeah. which I think. I hope so. We we live thirty seconds from Owenwood, so <laughs> I, 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 we we can testify to the fact that y'all are correct. There are some there some are really great things in our neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, and I think like one of the most important questions that Josh, the associate pastor at um, Owenwood, mm -hmm. or the post associate pastor at White Rock, but you know the lead kind of senior pastor at Owenwood. Mm -hmm. Would, would told us that like the most important question you can ask at the end of like say interviewing some of these assets is like who do you know that I should meet like who is someone that I should be connected with because that's what's going to connect you with you know especially those associations because you find a knitting club or a poker club that's not advertised anywhere it's just kind of by mouth yeah. and so you can find these things through talking and interviewing um, the people in your community. Mm -hmm. So, so now the question becomes, since maybe, you know, some, some businesses are still open, we can still go to some, some places and pick up to go food or get food delivered. 
but some of the other things going to people's houses or going to other associations, those might not be options at the moment. That's so right. what, what have y'all been thinking about? And Christine, I know you've been posting videos about this. Tell us a little bit about how this has shifted during this time of COVID. Yeah. You know, we were in the middle of building our asset map when this started and and it kind of puts you in a loop of, you know, what do you do because everything's closed. Like I'm, we're moving to Iowa in about a month and I start my pastoral appointment on July 1st where, um, you know, part of my job is to plant a new church. Mm. How do you start that in a pandemic when you can't make connections as easily as you could before? Um, you know, businesses might still be closed. You can't enter the building. I mean, I've got pizza every night and you can't even go in the lobby. It's all curbside. Um, and so I, I've been asking myself that question cause I, I'm about to try and figure it out even more. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, you know, we kind of halted our, our, um, our good neighbor experiment when the pandemic hit, but neighboring is more important than ever mm -hmm. during a time where we are socially distanced that um, it's like breeding grounds essentially for isolation and loneliness to occur. Mm -hmm. That, you know, isolation is like that state of being separated from other people, but then the loneliness is the emotional, um, the deep emotional pain that you feel because you are socially distanced from people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I began to think about, you know, how can, how can we continue to neighbor? How can we continue to make connections um, in social distance? And so, you know, in one of the videos um, mm -hmm. I posted about, uh, which is an experiment of lab two of the good neighbor experiment, which is starting to neighbor in your own community. And one of those was to write a thank you note um, to someone, um, mm -hmm. you know, a thank you note for, uh, you know, at the time it's Christmas. So thank you for the beautiful Christmas lights you have up or now it's, you know, I really appreciate the way that you make your yard so beautiful. It brings a smile to my face to see your flowers. Mm -hmm. Something super simple, you might not even know them, um, mm -hmm. but you can introduce yourself, you know, give your contact information. Um, and uh, so that's just a, a way to do that. And um, yeah, and I feel like sometimes like whenever people even like hear about the just writing a letter to your neighbor, they're like, really? Like, does that really work? But yeah. like that actually worked for you really well yeah. um, whenever you were living in East Dallas. Um, and I know this is before COVID, but um, I also, as I continue to train churches, I've seen people writing letters to their neighbors and getting these great responses, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, you know, kind of funny letters too, kind of like, yeah, you know, like, I know that we've like lived next to each other or yeah. across the street from each other for 10 years and we've never learned each other's names, but this is great because you wrote me this letter and now I know your name and they're like sending letters back and forth. <laughs> you know? When I... Uh... <laughs> Mary Jo Sparks is one of the lady who went through the good neighbor experiment. Mm -hmm. And when she wrote a letter to every, she, she went to the step of writing, not just one neighbor, but everyone on her street. Mm. And uh, someone brought her peaches. Like she found just like peaches on her porch. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one of the other things too is to share food with a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And especially that's, 
really great for this time that we're in mm -hmm. because we do have a lot of folks who are more homebound because of their health. Mm -hmm. um, I know I know a woman in, in Dallas who uh, has not left her house. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even to the grocery, she hasn't figured, she hasn't done the Kroger pickup. Um, she's used what she has, relying on, you know, others. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have brought her food. Um, you know, I sanitized everything. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the things to, you know, if you're going to go up to someone's doorstep to make connections, um, you know, continue to follow safe distance and social health practices. Like mm -hmm. if you were to knock, go stand in the, um, in the driveway or in the front yard to, mm -hmm. to introduce yourself. Um, but. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the, the thing that we have actually found is that neighboring has increased even in the midst of, uh, social distancing and mm -hmm. in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I was finishing up a cohort of churches, uh, seven churches, you know, going through this process of learning how to neighbor. And um, what I found with each of them, uh, which I was completely blown away by was, um, you know, they'd been kind of building these skills to meet their neighbors and they took things to the next step. Like I didn't have to make, you know, like tell them like, well, now since like, you know, uh, this pandemic is happening, like, you know, you, uh, I guess you should stop, you know, they were like, oh no, like, we, we don't need to yeah. stop. Like, we're actually like, all of a sudden, like our whole congregation is meeting their neighbors when before it was so hard to motivate them to do it yeah. because they didn't have time for it. But now that everyone is home, you know, they're getting, they're checking in with folks and they're saying, hey, you know that neighboring thing that you were trying to get us to do? I actually met my neighbors now because I've been home, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, and so I think what we found is that neighboring doesn't stop yeah. just because yeah. like maybe some of the, the how to's, you know, have changed a little bit. Um, and maybe some of the suggestions that we had, like in the, in the curriculum or like some of the suggestions we offered. Like borrowing the, from a neighbor, people might be a little iffy about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, but they're finding different ways of doing it. Like there is this uh, one lady um, in the group who talked to us around Easter she had this excess of toilet paper and instead of hoarding it for him, herself, she said, you know, I know toilet paper is a thing that people are looking for right now. So I'm going to decorate all these toilet papers as Easter bunnies with my kids. And mm -hmm. Easter morning, I'm going to go and sneakily, you know, with my kids, put them on all my neighbor's doors, yeah. <laughs> you know, with you a know, little note. And, and her neighbors loved it too. Like her, uh, she said her Jewish neighbor across the street said like, I don't even celebrate Easter and I think this is brilliant. Like, yeah. can we like, can our kids like talk over the phone with each other like yeah. during the week? Cause like my son's been feeling really lonely. Like they're making connections is still possible even yeah. though like we can't like do it in the same way that we had been as before. And it's it's been astonishing and amazing to me, I guess to just, I know, just see like how many more people actually know their neighbors now because yeah. of this. Yeah. So. Well, and there's people just are out, mm -hmm. you know, and people are sitting in their front yards because they want to see people. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've seen that. But yeah. I, I, I had just been noticing how neighboring was happening all over Facebook. And mm -hmm. uh, I had noted, uh, Tracy Ann Allred is the uh, Associate Dean of Student Life at Perkins School of Theology mm -hmm. at SMU. And I had noticed uh, at around Easter too, she 
traded her neighbor toilet paper for eggs to make a little cake for uh, like mm -hmm. a bunny cake. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the tips for neighboring is to borrow from a neighbor. Mm -hmm. Of course, that was an exchange, but to borrow from a neighbor, to share food with a neighbor, mm -hmm. all of these things can still happen during, um, during this pandemic. And I think what happened when we first um, went into this pandemic, there was a great fear of our neighbor, our friends, because mm -hmm. uh, they could give us a virus, um, mm -hmm. which is a real fear. Um, and I know many people still have that fear. Mm -hmm. um, but there are still ways to neighbor and make connections mm -hmm. that are still just are still really healthy um, to continue. Yeah. Well, and I think if I can say one more thing, um, you know, this is such a profound opportunity for the church, because I know so many churches struggle with this question of how do we connect with our neighbors? Um, but I think uh, this this pandemic is teaching them how to actually neighbor in a healthier way. Um, uh, oftentimes, whenever I, I, you know, whenever I listen to churches and work with them, I hear this kind of line of, you know, we want to love our neighbors, but also serve them. And those things get conflated with each other. It's it, loving our neighbor means I have to do something for them, basically, um, particularly more often not my poor neighbor. Uh, my neighbor can only be a poor neighbor. And uh, what, what's actually happening is I think God is using this space in a really real and tangible way to help us have a healthier understanding of loving our neighbor. Like it's, it, yes, we need to love our poor neighbor and our, uh, our, our, you know, our, but we also need to love our isolated neighbor and just our neighbors who live next to us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a reason why Jesus, I think, says, you know, uh, the second, the, the two commands are love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor in that way as well. Um, we, we're called to know our physical neighbors, and, and in a world where we're uh, connected long distance, you know, with neighbors, uh, we, we often talk about it, I think, in a metaphorical way, like, oh yeah, my metaphorical neighbor over there, but there's something really uh, amazing and powerful and challenging about actually loving mm -hmm. our literal neighbors right next to us. And that's, that's what's happening is people are being challenged to actually know their literal neighbors right next to them. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are absolutely right on that too. We were out walking the other day and, uh, which is something a lot more folks in our immediate neighborhood are doing. And some uh -huh. folks are sitting out in their front yard and we'd waved at these folks a couple of times. I'd seen them at least driving by, but the guy shouts at us. He said, we all need to have a block party when this is all over. Yeah. And, and I was like, absolutely. Like, you know, I think people are, are more receptive to mm -hmm. things that they might find odd or uncomfortable in previous times they've become receptive to the possibility of having a block party yeah. you know and I, I don't know how long this particular neighbor has lived here but I know that most of the people in the houses around us have lived in this neighborhood for decades mm -hmm. and so I imagine that's probably true as an older gentleman um, and that's just been all over the other day Rachel was in the backyard and two neighbors walking by both spoke to her um, you know, and had short conversations with her, which I don't think has, you know, ever happened when we've been sitting out in our backyard ever before. So yeah, y'all are just, I think, affirming absolutely that, that this is a reality that folks have become more 
receptive um, and open to possibilities with um, with things that, again, would seem odd or uncomfortable all of a sudden have been maybe less less odd or uncomfortable, which is, yeah. you know, kind of a nice thing, especially for folks who, you know, have a little, you know, trouble with that comfort zone thing. All of a sudden that comfort zone has perhaps been necessarily expanded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I think, I mean, some of this might also have to do with as well, like people really feeling the effects of isolation in their own lives as well. Like, um, I don't think isolation gets, um, in terms of like our social health and things like that, uh, when we're isolated, it, there's all this amazing research coming out now about how uh, isolation and our social health like makes up such a huge portion of our mm -hmm. overall health. And I think people are really seeking, you know, they're, they're realizing like, you know, this isn't good for me to be, you know, isolated. And maybe yeah. even it's more apparent than before because I'm stuck at home all the time and I'm, I'm really noticing like, man, I'm really not, <laughs> you know, my best self right now. Yeah. Mm. People are reaching out to others to try and uh, build that. I think that that real sense of, uh, you know, I don't want to be isolated because it, it does have very profound uh effects on people's physical health in really real ways and so I yeah. think it's, it's a natural instinct to when we recognize that we are isolated to reach out to other people whether that is in a healthy way or unhealthy way you know I think we're wired that way in, in yeah. a really significant way. I, I think of like families like my cousin um, she has four kids so she's doing the homeschooling thing and her husband's mm -hmm. a pharmacist at a hospital and so for the first two or so months of the pandemic he was quarantined to the basement mm -hmm. and so you know when he wasn't at work he was always in the basement um so mm -hmm. you know she put food down there during the day and stocked up a mini fridge and mm -hmm. so she was essentially doing things by herself for over two months and you know i'm sure like some days it was just too much yeah because she's homeschooling and mm -hmm you know, dealing with emotions of kids and her own and mm -hmm. feeding and just all these things um, that, mm -hmm. that it was probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, in terms of it being a lot, I, I heard this, this is like double secondhand. Like I heard this from a friend who watched a webinar. So like, and I don't know what the webinar it's is. Absolutely accurate information. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is absolutely, you know, obviously very scientifically proven <laughs> and things like that. But um, he told me that, um, you know, in this season where we can't actually like physically touch people beyond our own family, mm -hmm. uh, this person in the webinar was saying that we need to uh, hug trees, uh -oh. like hug things in nature to help uh metastasize our anxiety like to help us like release that into like the the literal like being of the earth because like we we, we need that physical touch basically yeah. and yeah. so and there uh, actually and there actually is valid research behind that right like yeah. the, the the act of of pulling something up in your arms against your chest a pillow or whatever releases mm -hmm. certain uh endorphins same thing with smiling right even that smiling when you're not happy can actually bring upon some happiness, right? Like that our bodies are, are wired in such a way that they connect to our brains. So I, I might, I might give that one a shot. We got some, we got some <laughs> trees in the yard. I'm, 
always yeah. wanted to be a tree hugger, and now yeah. I might really be able to do that. I think it really plays on and like uh, the interconnectedness of hum mm -hmm. like humanity and all of creation and each other that's in mm -hmm. uh, Buddhism mm -hmm. that we are connected to trees like we are to people we are connected mm -hmm. to our plants and to the grass and to the sky and yeah, yeah. but that's I also something that's been missed in Christian theology a lot I mean yeah. you read a lot of early theologians especially like the Cappadocians Basil has this great treaty, several actually, on our connectedness to creation. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, St. Francis's poetry about, you know, the, the various aspects of nature being brothers and sisters and mothers and yeah. all of that kind of thing. So we've got it in our traditions as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, sorry, a quick story somewhat related to all this is we went uh, to a nature area the other day, and um, this is a few weeks ago now. Arbor I guess. Hills Nature Preserve. In yeah, Canada. and I uh, I had re I had heard about the the hugging the trees thing, and <laughs> we were we were like walking around, and I kept on like hugging trees and embarrassing Christina. <laughs> she was like, "Stop it! Like, why?" Are you? It's like I'm I'm metastasizing my anxiety. I think, <laughs> and I think then you you. You had me hug a tree, and somebody <laughs> commented about it when I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy walked by and was like, "Oh, what are you, what are you doing?" There? Now there's some poor trees in the woods that are feeling anxious, thanks to y'all, <laughs> yeah. uh, and some people who think y'all are a little nuts. So <laughs> probably made their day. They're probably they're probably still talking about that. But yeah, they still actually <laughs> hugging <laughs> trees. So. Well, you got any other things you want to ask? We uh, really appreciate all the really practical um, ideas that you've given uh, to us uh, this evening. And I would really, you know, like more people to use the language of neighboring because yeah. I think it's something that, you know, everyone is doing right now. You're hearing it on the news. People are trying to do some positive things against the negative things that are going on in the news. And, and I would just love to hear that category used broadly across all of those things so that somebody could come to you during the pandemic or after the pandemic and say, like, what kind of neighboring activities did you do today? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, like putting a name to it would really um, make it even go a little, a little further, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 And especially that idea of reminding folks of neighbors, being actually what we say when we say neighbor you you know my next door neighbor or the neighbor across the street i love that because it helps bring it out of like you said out of this world of abstract yeah. mm -hmm. you know some person over there wherever there may be and just be the person who who lives in the house yeah. right next to mine or the apartment right under mine or, or whatever it might be yeah. And I think it's true too that your neighbor can also be a business that's across the street. Like maybe mm -hmm. your neighbor is also mm -hmm. the pizza place that's this family owned pizza place that's right next door or a couple blocks down. Yeah, I think that's a really great point in terms of like what are yeah, you know, what can you actually do to support your, you know, local business neighbors and intentionally choose to eat at places in your own, you know, like that that actually like, you know, I love like, you know, some really good 
uh, chain places and things like that, but we've been trying really hard to eat at places directly associated right, right in our neighborhood mm-hmm. because it actually does, not only does it actually help them, it keeps that financial capital in that space a little bit longer before it transports out somewhere else. And so it, yeah. it actually strengthens your community, like, and not only in a monetary way, but also like in like all these other kind of uh, really tangible ways um, whenever you actually choose to invest in your own community. So and I think it's true that some of those chains are going to struggle, but they're in the end going to be okay. But that might yeah. not be the same for yeah. some of the local places. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, I could tell a story short, short version is I know a, a preacher in Kentucky who goes to the same store every day. Mm-hmm just to buy drinks, been doing this for years. And out of this, people who work at that store have asked him to come pray with them, have asked them to do weddings. So like, because he was there every single day, just like I said, just to buy whatever drink he was buying, they got to know him. They said, hey, you're in here every day. And it kind of has snowballed from there. They even, um, I heard at one point, they held like an employee, like Christmas or Easter, whatever, some kind of holiday party. And they invited him um, mm-hmm. to an all employees get together just because yeah. he went to the same place every day. And I, I tried that, but usually I wanted to go to the donut place uh, <laughs> or the place where I bought uh, an 87 ounce, you know, uh, fountain drink. So uh, I got to find a healthy way yeah, yeah. <laughs> that idea yeah up some of, do you drink coffee justin i don't i don't I'm, I'm one of the the rare graduate students the world over yeah. who, who does yeah. not drink coffee but yeah. yeah i think hitting up local coffee shops um and and even and even i will say this sometimes we think of chains but, but recognizing that some of these chains are franchises yeah, um, and if you get to know the community, you might actually say, "Well, this is the one franchise this person owns." And so yeah. in a sense, it, it's a big international corporation, but in another sense, it's John who lives three doors down from me Absolutely. who owns that franchise. And so, you know, there's even ways. And and sometimes one thing we found in the neighborhood we used to live in in Kentucky was that mm-hmm. some of the local places that had moved in were out of the price range of the people who um, had been living in that neighborhood for a while. So they were kind of more hipster, fancied. And so we were happy to support them, but I found that there was a, there was a, a fried chicken place that was the place where most of the, the, the variety of the neighborhood congregated. And so I liked going there because so much of the other businesses while they were local were not affordable to many of my neighbors. And so I just, I just bring all that up to say there's, there's a lot of ways to think about this. Absolutely. Well, and I, I'm so glad that you brought up like you, that you shared that story, Justin, because it really reminded me, I think of something that's really important and that is that relationships move at the speed of trust. Mm. Uh, (laughs) They, uh, you, you know, churches often want to like connect with neighbors and then like get them to come into their church building. And it, that's like, that's going from step one to step like 10, right? Like 
a lot of times, especially us in the church world and, uh, you know, in the faith world, we need to focus on those, those mm -hmm. first steps, you know, step, what's step one, two, and three, like, how do, how do I just begin to build, like, a relationship mm -hmm. with someone yeah. without, without any agenda attached to it, just, you know, I just want to get to know you, and, and, you know, relationships take time, right, <laughs> like, it's not like you yep. go, again, most of the time, you don't go from zero to, to 10 or zero to 100, right, yeah, it, um, we, we often have to, we often forget to focus on the first steps, and so yep. I, I so appreciate you naming, like, that, that aspect of uh, building a relationship and, and how consistency plays a part in that and mm -hmm. presence plays a part into that as well. Mm -hmm. So that, I like that that plays in is language that we like to use a lot is that we operate on an ethic of inefficiency, mm -hmm. um, which is, is great in so many ways because in, in late capital, mm -hmm. the whole world is all about efficiency and yeah. friendships and relationships um mm -hmm. they have to be it's it's an inefficient process it's very efficient to hand somebody a, a, a item they need mm -hmm. and then get them out the door but it's inefficient to take years to get to know one or two or three people yeah. at a deep level so i i yeah i yeah. love the like rachel said the idea of of neighboring i like this idea of re relationships moving at the the speed of trust because that's absolutely right and i yeah. think that's especially true for for some of our neighbors who we know have been abused for for kind of trauma-informed approaches um we just know that you know certain areas of our city there's been a lot of violence or the violence of poverty and so trust might be harder to build and so it might take even longer in some cases. And just that's a great way to sort of a great, um, I don't know, a measuring rod, a, yeah. a speedometer, however you want to say that. I love that. Well, and I can't take credit for that language. Um, it's from my friend Matthew Johnson, who is the one of the co-founders of Neighboring Movement. And so he talks about, you know, he's a spiritual director, very... I feel like that's very spiritual directory language. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. it's definitely on that level, but it's it's also extremely true and helpful. Yeah. So unless y'all have anything else you'd like to add or close with, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I have a few resources that might be helpful that are free for folks. Yeah, well, um, free is good. Um, and it, it all of this can be found at neighboringmovement.org. Um, or most of these can be. Um, so the first one is you can sign up for a weekly neighboring tip. Each week they publish a, like if you don't know what to do or like even how to begin meeting your neighbors, they publish a weekly tip that you can just try out. <laughs> you know, like, like it, 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 and, it, and a lot of the stuff that they're putting out now is, you know, very uh, COVID yeah. acceptable. Yeah. You know, like you can, they're, they've, they've updated their material. I mean, they think of new things all the time, but yeah. They're updating and considering COVID now. So that's a really great free resource that will come into your mailbox or your, or your email box, you know, every single week, um, a new idea just to try, basically. Um, there's the podcast. Um, uh, they have a podcast as well, and it's called The Neighbor Next Door. And the two co-founders of uh, Neighboring Movement, uh, Matthew Johnson and Adam Barlow-Thompson, um, they uh, 
they they sit here and they're 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 neighboring experts well they're also goofballs but they're they really they're they're practitioners in the truest sense so like they they know what they're they're doing um, and they have some really fantastic uh people that come on that are both from the neighborhood with a lot of wisdom but also people you know who uh know this asset based kind of lingo so they they know they really know what they're doing it's a fun podcast and um so that's a and that's free as well and so that's great and then there's a new initiative that they're doing called gappers and it kind of comes from this idea a lot of people have been saying uh you know we don't want to go back to normal or whatever mm. the, the normal mm. was before and so um mm. they're starting this initiative to commit to, to like they're like that's a great idea but what are you actually going to do what are you going to commit to doing to uh, stand in the gaps that have been, yeah. that have been, yeah. um, I guess, sure. that that need to be filled, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you mm-hmm. going to do to not, uh, you know, live into the past normal and to create a, something new? Mm-hmm. So, um, right. so that, and that's the neighboring. Say say the website again. Neighboringmovement.org. Neighboringmovement.org. We'll make sure listeners to to have a link to that also in the in the comments uh, below, but neighboringmovement.org. You can uh, check that out and and, uh, learn more about what Ryan and Christine have been talking about uh, with us in this episode. So thank you all so much for joining us. Congratulations, Christina, on uh, the the new gig in Iowa. We're going to miss you in Texas, but (laughs) we're we're really excited for y'all to to start that new adventure of, of leading a church up up in the mm-hmm. in the cold midwest <laughs> yeah. So. yeah but it's also not very hot in the summer yes, yes. yes. that's yes. nice that's the that's yes well thank y'all so very much and y'all have a y'all have a good one and this is justin Berenger, the rogue minister signing off with my co-host Rachel at Speech Strong Resources and go check out our show notes and if you are listening on Apple Podcasts leave us a review and comment. You can also submit questions, reviews, and comments on our Facebook page. And as always, be faithful to that which you have been called.